we're taking a free guide to WeWork and following the career to the boss level. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen. Um, Van, this week, we're kind of mm-hmm. moving from movies into the world of video games. It's all very 8-bit this week, isn't it? <laughs> It's throwback in every sense. So yeah. we're throwing back to like retro games with boss level. We're throwing back to like Fortnite from a couple of years ago and Grand Theft Auto with Free Guy. We're throwing back to, you know, corporate co-working culture with WeWork. And we're throwing back to like sort of John Le Carre style spy romps with Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch in the Courier. Which I think is our first, that's our first one to talk about. That is our first movie. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want, I mean, you, you were texting me saying, oh, this is so filling every sort of Russian history nerd, like, gasm that you've got. (laughs) A Russian history nerd gasm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't get into it. So why don't you, let's hear them. Yeah. Let's hear the more positive. Well, let's hear what it's about. And then let's hear what, like, your thoughts are and why I couldn't really get into this movie. But it's not a story I, I especially knew an awful lot about. So um, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pull it up on my, my phone so I can have because there's so many like Russian names and things that I, and I like <laughs> to be I like to be thorough. You know me. I can't stand a mispronunciation. Of I course. Hate it. I hate it, sir. Right. So okay. So it's the it's based on the story of Greville Wynn, who was a British businessman during uh, during the I think it's the 60s during the Cold War. In fact, it specifically has to be the early 60s because this sort of leads to the the Cuban Missile Crisis, which I think. Is 62, I think. Um, so the idea here is that Greville wins an ordinary British businessman who is basically drafted in by the government to serve as an intermediary to basically be, be used effectively as a front. He's sent to Moscow to open like trade negotiations, you know, between the East and the West. Basically, he's a sort of importer export. He's a middleman. He connects companies in the UK with manufacturers in different countries and vice versa. That's his whole gimmick. So he's going over to, to Soviet Russia to basically open, do trade with, with, you know, the Soviet bloc. All of this, however, is a cover so that he can make contact with a, 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 an aspiring defector, someone who is someone in the Soviet cabinet who is leaking information to not only the British government but the American government as well. It's all being run sort of behind the facade of Benedict Cumberbatch as Gravel Win. And there is the bromance between these two that then deepens and expands and becomes a real friendship. But it also then becomes this pivotal linchpin when the world finds itself facing the Cuban Missile Crisis. I know how insane this sounds, but believe me, this is a very straight-faced thriller, and you can hear Benedict Cumberbatch limbering up for it here. We want you to act exactly like the ordinary businessman you are. That would be much easier if you don't know any details. Right, but would I be putting myself in danger? That detail, I, I have to know. Greville, let me put this delicately. You're a middle-aged businessman who drinks a bit too much and isn't exactly in top shape. During the war, you were a private and never even saw combat. My point is, if this mission was the least bit dangerous, you really are the last man we'd send. Well, thank you for putting it so delicately. Make sure you wear it while you're in Moscow. What does this do? Shoot poison dart? Thank you so much, Trevor. You're a good man, and I know we can count on you to be discreet. It sounded 
Is that Ray Fiennes? No, 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 that's Angus Wright with the eyebrows. The, the, oh, he, he, okay. he just has that face and he's one of those guys, isn't he? He's one of those, oh, you're that guy from that thing. Yet you can never remember the thing because yeah. he's in like Everything. six billion of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but his name is Angus Wright, yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, Angus fine. Wright and I think Rachel Brosnahan there as well. Is Brosnahan from, she's yeah. not from Mrs. Maisel, is she Brosnahan? Yes, she is, yeah. Yes, okay, yeah. I've not seen that one, so, so forgive me. Okay, um, so look, I, this is a really base reason why I was wasn't able to watch it. it it's relatively sort of slow, dark start, and mm. I, you just have to be in the mood to want to sit down and follow that through. And I wasn't, and I couldn't pick it back up again. That was all it was. I think if you if you do find yourself watching, and don't get me wrong, it's very much a sort of film that you'll you'll see on Channel Four on a, yeah. a Thursday night at, at nine p.m. You know, kind of thing, and you probably will enjoy. It is like a John Le Carre type yeah. espionage tale, of course. You know, based on like, a true story. Tinker Taylor, those kind of yeah, things. Yeah. Same kind of. Thing. In fact, the closest one would probably be the Imitation Game. Yeah, <laughs> would probably because you know it's period piece Benedict Cumberbatch, he's yeah. saving Britain during a war. You know, it's it's the he same kind like of thing. That. He loves <laughs> yeah. one of these. Um, it's one of those. You know what you're getting. Competently directed. I think Dominic Cooks put this one together. Who did uh, On Chesil Beach a couple yeah. of years ago? Well put together, handsome looking period piece. Great performances all around. I want to single out uh, Merab, Merab Nadizki. Uh, Nad- yeah, I think it's Nadizki, as who plays Penkovsky, the sort of the other half of this uh, this Cold War bromance that's going on. Um, across the board, Jesse Buckley's in there as well. I think oh. that's a pretty decent little turn. She's not like a, she's not like one of the central characters, but she's a pretty big player in it. She say she's Greville's wife. Um, it is good actors being good in bad wigs and period piece haircuts. You know what it is, you know? Yeah, you know what you're expecting to get from it, and it's probably... And that's the thing, like, for me, I've just got to be in the mood. It's a hit or miss if, you know, if you're going to catch my attention or not. And, you know, if I if I was in a screening room and I was forced to sit down and watch this, I would have done. But I did... I, I was at home and I was kind of like, you know what? I, I, I can't. It's good. <laughs> Too I, mean, I really enjoyed it. It's yeah. kind of the kind of movie I would have, once upon a time, I would have watched with my dad and enjoyed. Yeah. Like my dad and I would have seen this at the cinema, for instance, and he'd yeah. have had an absolute blast, and I'd have thought, that was a pretty good little thriller. Yeah. And, that, and we never would have talked about it again. It's yeah. one of those. Having okay. said that, whilst you're in it, it's very good. Okay. Whilst you're away from it, you're not especially going to remember it. So it's like mm. four star while you're watching it, three when you're not. <laughs> well, there we go. I think that's a kind of, yeah, I think that kind of just sums it all up, mm. really. So let's move on to something um, that actually piqued both of our dazzled, uh, attention. Dazzled us a bit. Um, it's the documentary about WeWork. So that kind of co-working space in... What's the, um, what's the full title? Is WeWork or the devaluation of a $47 billion unicorn or something like that? Yeah, because if a, if, a, if, a, if a company hits... Um, yeah, WeWork or the making and breaking of a $47 billion unicorn. Um, yeah. It, yeah, unicorn basically, unicorn is... Is, if a company is valued at a billion dollars, billion dollars, mm. it's seen as a unicorn because investors will get a hundred times their money back. Um, oh. But anyway, so um, what this what this is right is uh, it, essentially it's it's like a cult 
um, documentary about a cult. It's incredible. So we know about WeWork. We've got them all dotted around London. Well, you know, how many co-working spaces have you spent? Because obviously we spend a lot of time in places like this. Yeah. We used to record this show in a co-working yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think when we were texting yesterday, I think we would say, I think, what was it? one of us said, uh, it's social network meets fire fest. So that's what you said. And I said it was, it follows the same tact as the Nixium documentary that we both yes. watched. Seduced. Seduced. Yeah. Mm. And that's where, and it was like, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't go into some sort of sex cult kind of thing, but there is a cult element to this and it is fascinating so just to give you an idea it follows a guy who was like a serial entrepreneur had a few ideas for lots of different things they didn't quite work out yeah and then, some rubbish ones didn't they yeah the knee pads for babies was like yeah. kind of a, like, I, love that. I, I looked up other documentaries about we work after this it's fascinating how that exact thing comes up in every single <laughs> sentence that everyone it's says so about ridiculous that, yeah, yeah it's so ridiculous but anyway he built he, he, as any good entrepreneur will want to do, it's not just about the one-off product, it's about trying to change the world. And that's what he was doing. He was trying to change the way people worked in the future. And the idea was, was to create almost, I'd almost say like a fraternity style work co-working space, which members wouldn't feel like they're just there to work. They live and breathe off of each other, it even expanded to something called We Life, which is like a living uh, space where you would literally become part of the furniture. And they had like these summer camps and things like that. It was nuts. I mean, we only saw over in the UK just a little tiny element of this, i.e. just the co-working element of it. But this was a real cult thing in the States. And it was amazing to watch his upwards and downfalls. The future is about being part of something greater than yourself. I believed every word that came out of Adam's mouth. Adam told me I was going to be a millionaire. WeWork wanted to become the next Facebook, the next Google. He became this poster child for this growing trend of flexible offices. They had already reached a billion dollar valuation. WeWork was the most overvalued company in the world. They were willing to spend any amount of money. When I say they're serving alcohol, they are serving alcohol. Make some noise! Everything about WeWork was propaganda. For God's sakes, they're running desks. That that line right there that made this documentary because yeah. he reads that that's from the um, what do you call that's from the, the when they attempted to go public and that absolutely destroyed the company they put like a credo on the cover that's yeah. like we will enrich the universe with our souls he's like come on man you're you're renting desks yeah <laughs> <laughs> love, love that the movie never loses sight of that until it does and that ruins it because I was having a ball with this this is like a seriously fun yeah. horrifying documentary. Um, it, it's just got all of that Wolf of Wall Street insanity about it. And then you yeah. get to, I, I think, a bum note that it ends on. Because, of course, you know, the movie's been made during COVID, so it ends with, you know, and now we have COVID and we're all alone and we're all going to die. And everyone sort of, te- they put on masks. There's this whole kind of montage at yeah. the end of all of the interviewees just putting on a mask. It kind of feels does feel irrelevant and also very long-winded as to how they it do that. It feels tacked on and it feels yeah. like... 
did, did, did this feels like obligatory? Like someone thought, oh well, I'm, I'm finishing my movie during COVID, so I'll timestamp this. Yeah, I was literally on. just going to say it feels like a timestamp. But that aside, um, great. Yeah. it's great. And do you know what? I didn't know. Like I, I now would be like, there ain't no way I'm ever going to pay to be working at a WeWork. Like, oh no, you you wouldn't now. I I, I had a, a podcast client once who specifically worked in a WeWork, and. When uh, some of the stuff that you're seeing in here in this documentary, I was just like, oh my God, I've seen some of this firsthand. Like, yeah, that's yeah. nuts. By the way, we had 55, apparently. I think it was 55 WeWorks in the UK, according wow. to this documentary. At one point, we're showing a map. Um, this just, again, if you saw the Firefest documentary and that was a thing that appealed to you, go and check this out because this yeah. story's nuts. I can't believe I knew that we were, I knew that, you know, they devalued and all this stuff. The stuff you get from Engadget. I knew that yeah. side of it. Yeah. But, oh my God. Do you know what, as well, I think they something they don't go into and I'd love to kind of see a spin-off documentary about this is the wife of Adam the founder. Yes. So she is like the cousin of Gwyneth Paltrow. She's this odd-looking lady who has this like Spengali kind of field about her yeah. and she's the kind of spiritual side of what adam was pushing and there was something seem, really creepy about her <laughs> yeah it seems at times like he is this machiavellian zuckerberg style huckster yeah. but he's sort of indoctrinated and controlled by the wife which is this fascinating depiction. Honestly, if you have even the fate, regardless of WeWork, if, regardless of whether or not you know co-working spaces, if you just want to see a good, solid cult documentary, something like Nixium or a train wreck like Firefest, check this out from this yeah. weekend. This is I, really good. I think this is available on digital. Good. I was going to say, because this is where it's going to find its audience. If it mm. sits on somewhere digital like Netflix or something like that, or, you know, you, you, you'll eventually see it there. This is where it will get that kind of fire festival buzz. Well, you would agree with me as well, though. This is not like a, a, a cardigan wearing straight lace sit there and no. absorb this documentary. This is a call the lads, get the beers in. We're watching Firefest level documentary. Yeah. That's yeah. what this is. Yeah. And do you know what, guys? It's so worth your time. It's one of our top picks of the week. So definitely, definitely pull up a chair and enjoy WeWork. Welcome back to Off Screen. So you heard us waxing lyrical about WeWork. Now we're going to move from the world of co-working spaces into the world of video games. There is a big movie out. It stars a very big star. We all love him, Ryan Reynolds. Um, and this is one that Van has caught. It's called Free Guy. It is in cinemas as of this weekend. Van, lots of hype around this. What's your thoughts? I mean, this has been coming for what seems to be like two, three years now, uh, yeah. Free Guy. And effectively, this is sort of Grand Theft Lego movie. <laughs> if you nice. can, if you can believe that, that's that's the best way I can describe it. So imagine that Ryan Reynolds is who's the character in uh, Emmett? Emmett in the Lego Movie, isn't it? The, yeah. The, the sort of every man, every man is Emmett. And effectively, he literally is Emmett from Emmett. the Lego Movie. He wakes up in his bed every morning in the same outfit, in the pajamas, and he wakes up to the same catchy pop song, and he goes to you know designated coffee chain and buys designated coffee beverage, and walks to work, and he says the the same stock catchphrases. He is a character in a video game. He is not, he's a non-playable character, he's an NPC. He is the guy in Grand Theft Auto that when you run up to the car, when you hit triangle and you pull the car door open and just casually pull the guy out, he's like the guy who gets pulled out of the car. Yeah. As far as he's concerned, that's all life is. You drive your car around the city and then every now and again, someone just pulls you out and nicks it. Except he works in a bank. So in his case, 
it just gets robbed like four or five times a day. That's a, that's that's just life as far as Guy, played by Ryan Reynolds, is concerned. One day, however, he starts to sort of come to life. He starts to notice things. He starts to question his, his world. And what you effectively have is this, have is this Lego movie-style narrative where he then meets his own personal wild style, played by, in this case, by Jodie Comer from Killing mm. Eve, who is this sort of next level to him like next level consciousness in reality she's a real world player that we're seeing in the game but she's presented wild style style wild style style that's weird yeah. um, as this sort of trinity in the matrix like figure and he becomes this this aspiring do-gooder because he wants to he wants to basically gain her attention and he has to earn XP, you know, gameplay experience. Mm -hmm. And because he doesn't want to commit violence like all the characters in this video game do, he becomes like this sort of anti-hero and he, he earns like min minor points for like rescuing cats from trees and stopping muggings and things like that. And the perk of all this as well <clears throat> is that every time he's doing these things, as well as earning the XP, he also earns like coin. So he's stocking up on like the pen without even realizing he has like the penthouse and all the toys and all these, <sighs> even though he has no interest in any of it. And all he wants to do is win this girl. But on the outside as well are the people, the moderators running the game server, like Mythic Quest style, who kind of have a bit of an issue about this, what seems to be a player running around their game wearing the skin of a non-playable character, as far as they can see it. Listen up, Neutrogena. You know you can't go around looking like that. The rules are clear. And another thing, you can't hack the NPC avatars. No, sir. It screws up the mission load, Rules and it up. makes the game look bad. Horrible! Yeah. I got like 5% of that. Lose the skin! I lose, how am I supposed to get rid of my skin? Take it off, man. Just take it off, what are you doing? What? Seriously. The whole thing, the face, the how? outfit, everything. Ditch it. If you don't, we're gonna kill you. Why? And we're gonna keep killing you. Still why? Until we do find out who you are, and then we're gonna ban you for okay. life. No, no, okay, I, I want to comply. I just find the order of those threats very confusing. Somebody's about to get shot. Light him up! Do you know what? When when you said, like, he kind of breaks free from his everyday kind of occurrence, I was thinking, gosh, this sounds a bit Truman Show uh, in a There's way. There's some of that. There is there is an element of the Truman Show in there. As, as he starts to become sort of notorious as a fixture of the game, there is a lot of that cutting to the outside world, looking in kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. A sort of a Truman Show-like element to it. His catchphrase as well, don't just have a good day, have a great day, is very similar to Truman's, uh, in case I don't see you, have a, <clears throat> sorry, in case I don't see you, have a, you know, good afternoon, yeah. good evening, and good night. You know, it, it's very similar, very similarly pitched. Yeah, oh, that's quite interesting. Um, uh, there's been, like I said at the beginning, there's lots of hype around this, and I think everyone's looking at this as the big film of the summer, and actually the reviews have been generally airing on the side of po uh, positive. Um, good, they've been good. Yeah, and, but some people have almost gone as far as to say this is like the groundbreaking, groundbreaking video game movie that we've, we needed. How far are you on that kind of spectrum? I mean, I, I would go that far, to be honest. I would say this, okay. there are times when this does feel like Ready Player One for mm. a, a slightly different crop of millennials, maybe slightly younger. It does feel at times, like maybe even Gen Z, I suppose, because its pop culture references are a lot more current, I would say, than, than for instance, Ready Player One. And obviously Ready Player One, you know, kind of doubled down on that. Um, this is as close as I think we'll ever get to seeing a Grand Theft Auto movie or a Fortnite oh, okay. movie. I'll give you that. Wow. So if you're if you're into the whole Fortnite scene or anything like that, I mean, Fortnite gets a fair few look-ins and that. This is something that I would say probably plays like the Lego movie to the, to the people that watch Silicon Valley. 
or Mythic Quest. In fact, there's a lot of Mythic Quest level humor in there. If you've seen that Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus show recently, um, one of my favorites at the moment, Mythic Quest. This has a lot of that humor going for it, but a lot of the charm and a lot of the effect hangs on the well-worn, time-tested, you know, charm that is Ryan Reynolds being the sort of dumbfounded everyman, the straight man. He's 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 a reactionary character, as you could hear in that clip. It's like we're going to kill you. Why? We're going to kill you. Still, why? You know, it is that that shtick that Ryan Reynolds has sort of weaponized. It, this is just the latest iteration of you know the Van Wilder performance. You know, but that's all Ryan Reynolds' career is. Mm. It's just how many different, and that's all it was ever going to be, and that's fine because. We like that performance. We like that yeah. Van Wilder performance. That's what the we know. Breakout here, though. Yeah, the breakout here, though. Funnily enough, Jodie Comer did not see that coming. Jodie Comer in this, she's got the sort of every girl computer hacker thing going for her. But at the same time, she's got the uh, computer programmer. She's kind of a Silicon Valley type. And then the other side is this badass Trinity type. And she pulls both off really well. She's got actual, you know, big screen. Uh, charm and appeal. I wouldn't have particularly expected it, but she does. Would you not after Killing Eve? Because I think I think she plays so many different kind of iterations of of her role and stuff in that that you can see that she can she can do something like that. Here's where I confess that I have not seen Killing Eve yet. Ah, in which case, if you were impressed by what Jodie Comer did there, I would urge you to I'm watch gonna, yeah. Killing Eve. Yeah, I think yeah, that's absolutely. the thing. I don't think you'd be as surprised. If you think she turns up in a lot of other in, in minor roles and a lot of other things I, I watch. I remember her turning up as the sort of uh, the young girl that the husband got pregnant in Doctor Foster once upon a time. Yes. yes, I have watched a British drama series. Please try not to faint. But um, yeah, I do watch things other than American cable dramas occasionally. But yeah, um, and I, I was just shocked because she'd always played quite mousy characters in those things. No, well. she's. She's great as Villanelle in um, Killing Eve and, and she's all bonkers all over the place. But listen, back to this, I think, you know, I I, I, I was like, oh, I could probably take it or leave it. And actually, you've kind of won me over to think like you've, you've pop culture references, you know, Grand Theft Auto, uh, Lego Movie, Truman Show, yeah. all that kind of stuff boiled together. And obviously with Ryan Reynolds doing what he does best, which is playing himself. Um, sounds like a pretty solid movie. It, it does. It does. And I can tell you, if you like a bit of Ryan Reynolds, you're going to get a lot of Ryan Reynolds in this. You'll oh. know when you've seen it. Anyway, oh, but we'll, we'll move, we'll move <laughs> from the literal video game movie to the one that's sort of a video game movie, I think. Well, can we just talk about the very first... The, okay, so we're talking about a movie called Boss Level, right? Which would say yeah. to you, oh, okay, this is definitely video movie stuff, so, right? Sorry, we should just say, free guys in cinemas this weekend, Boss Level's on Amazon Prime. And this okay. is kind of the same movie for very different ages. Yeah, so the moment you get into this movie, like I'm talking about the first like two minutes, it is literally an old school... Um, this guy versus this guy and all the players um, grid that you could play possibly play in the middle and it's like a proper kind of like Street Fighter stroke Tekken sort of you know picking your character thing and you're like yeah, they literally open this? this with like retro 16 bit Street Fighter yeah and I was so excited and the first kind of thing that you see of Frank Grillo who plays the lead is kind of a special ops um, officer or ex special officer. Well, they're always ex. They're, they're always, always ex. Yeah. They live in loft apartments. There's always loads of empty bottles around. And yeah, exactly. That's, He's got a drinking I'm... problem. He sleeps with too many women. <laughs> anyway, so he basically is in Groundhog Day. So he wakes up. And he's basically going, this is going to happen to the extent. So they do this whole sequence where he's getting beaten up by someone and he's fighting someone and he knows the exact move. So he kind of effortlessly moves from side to side. The um, 
the, there's a big helicopter outside that's like shoot, machine gunning him and he knows exactly where the bullets are going to fly so he just very casually walks past all of that it's monotonous um and the whole thing is that it's it's the day of his death so eventually we get to see where he dies and it's about him kind of working through this sort of video game groundhog day that he kind of tends to live in i used to complain that every day felt the same and now every day is the same seriously shoes pants rip them flip them okay coffee anyone i don't know how this is possible but i keep repeating the same day sorry pal and as many times as i've seen this happen to my apartment still can't help but think I'm never ever getting my security deposit back. Now you can hear the attitude from the clip and that attitude is prevalent through the film. The problem with the film for my money is it, it just can't, it just can't help itself but di but divert. It has it's it does it does a great setup. We've talked about the setup there when you're doing the video game graphics, when you've got that fantastic opening attack sequence in this apartment, and then we're gonna lose the entire first act to a bloated flashback that's just gonna kill the narrative dead. Like no momentum kills it dead. You yeah. give, give us this belter of an intro and then it's just his Frank Grillo just like hanging out for half an hour. And also which... it's like really dark as well. You know I have this yeah. issue that movies are just too dark but you've got a great kind of cast in this. You've got Naomi mm. um, Naomi Watts is in this which like as like your sexy scientist kind of girl. Yeah, what, what have we come to and Naomi Watts is just like the sexy throwaway scientist. This is like Tank Girl era Naomi Watts casting. What's going on? Yeah it's so bonkers and Mel Gibson's in this as well but it's like he's the villain he's the villain of he's... it he's your M. Bison he's <laughs> um, but it's it's bonkers and it doesn't hold your attention it's a shame isn't it it doesn't when it gets to the stuff that you're here for which is you know the stuff you're promised by the trailer by the opening sequence by that very clip when it gets to that stuff it's great Oh. The problem is it diverts itself too too often. There's that flashback. There's everything else. I mean, there's so much fun going for it otherwise, but the problem is it is six of one, half a dozen of the other, and it yeah. doesn't quite work. I, it's it, This is that point. You always get this in every time loop movie where you get that second act comedic aside when they realize they're in a time loop and they decide, they decide let's just go and have some fun. This is Bill Murray amusing himself and this is Jack O'Neill throwing shooting golf balls through the Stargate. This is that point in every time loop movie when they ha decide to have a laugh. Only this is the movie that expands that. This is taking the high school party and making Can't Hardly Wait. The problem is this is not can't hardly wait to that concept and it's it's just not a patch as good and the problem is that when it remembers what it's trying to do it is that good and that's really antagonizing because i really had a lot riding on this i really wanted to love this yeah i i was really excited to watch this and unfortunately i felt quite deflated by about halfway mm. through the film so what a shame. But you know what? Out of two video game movies, I think Free Guy is the big one for you to go and enjoy. And you can go and enjoy that on the big screen as well. So um, when we come back, we're going to bring you lots of things that you can enjoy on the small screen. And don't worry, there's no video game ones in there this week. We'll hold those back for another week. But uh, stick with us. We'll have lots of great choices for you on your couch.
And now it's time for a segment we like to call Offscreen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Hey, Van. What's going on? Hey, nothing going on but the rent. You know how it is. And we, we need to, because we, we just had this out, we need to explain <laughs> that saying. Okay, so Ain't Nothing Going On But The Rent is a Gwen Guthrie song, okay? It is an old-timey pop song from, the, I think, the mid-'80s. I mostly know of it because of Eddie Murphy, okay? Because of Eddie okay. Murphy Raw. Did you ever, did you ever watch Raw? No, I didn't. But I, I every week, every week or or every couple of weeks that we have an advert that we are talking about um, that is helping us to pay our lovely rent, um, yep. I, I always have to question what is the right way of saying this. And I often say, and we often have to stop and start again. What's going down? And you're like, no, you've got it wrong again. How do you not know this? And you've been saying to me, it's a Janet Jackson song, and it's not. Oh, I thought it was Janet Jackson. I'm sorry, I thought it was. I thought it was Janet Jackson. <laughs> and the fact that you've just said it's a little pop song from the 70s and 80s, the the word is there, little pop song. I, I don't think little. I mean, Eddie Murphy jokes about it. I mean, <laughs> and this was this was in Raw. This was like the biggest thing in the world in 1987. Raw. Uh-huh. So I have to imagine. And in like in the sketch, he's talking about. Uh, I think he's talking about dating women in the 80s. Okay. Sort of the, 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 of the female career woman uh, <laughs> Melanie Griffith's power high of the late 1980s and I think he talks about dating uh, financially minded women in the late 80s but speaking of financially minded women you of course are a financially minded woman you you know a thing I or two about your, budgeting I love your segue there um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do know well do you know what I'm actually not great at budgeting I, uh, I no. fly by the seat of my pants with it a little bit and no. I which you, you you look surprised and yeah I, I, I Oh, yeah, I, I am quite organised, but I actually don't normally like to be kept accountable for it. <laughs> oh, zing. <laughs> so, but actually, as I get older and wiser, I know that I need some help with this. So, yeah, hopefully there is something out there that can help me be more accountable and <laughs> to be better with my budgets. This is one of those areas. I, I I love it when we get a sponsor that that I can actually enjoy the product. I, it's yeah. one of those like I, I I live for that. And so this week we got one that's right up my alley, and will conveniently help you as well. Yeah. So um, I'm big into these budget apps. I love, I love. Give me an app that I can like tie to my bank accounts that uh, get, keeps track of all my bills and has a little calendar and tells me what's going out when. And give me a little. If it can give me reports, ooh, ooh, I love me a report, Bex. I do. Cool. I, I'd so, I'd rather not know. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> yes, but if you are correctly managed, then that goes away, and instead you okay. get a FOMO of, of you know a glowing report. Trust me, it's a high that you can't replicate. Fine. And uh, okay, so I've played with a, like a dozen of these over the years, and until recently, I was using one called Emma. And yeah. was, that's a pretty good one. And then I got to try this one. Okay, so this is called Wallet. And you can find this, you go to, because obviously there is the Apple Wallet in the in the App Store as well, so it's a little bit confusing to get to. So if you go to budgetbakers.com, uh, you can find the link to the Android app, the iOS app. There's even, and I like this a great deal, a web app. Mm. How often do you see a web app available alongside the actual, you know, the store apps? That never happens. That well, never the happens. Thing is, yeah, exactly. You create an account uh put in your details sync it to your relevant uh, your relevant bank accounts and i think it has you can connect with i think it's fifty-eight thousand banks in the world or any currency 
and mm. they have this whole thing that they're, they're, they're really ethical the whole we do not sell your data thing as well and ethics with the whole financial management and budgeting app uh, scene ethics are a big thing because you know one of the one of the biggest names in budgeting for instance is like mint uh, who are owned by intuit who you know don't you know, you've got companies like that who who make taxes more complicated and the second there's this whole unethical side of this that just makes life not worth living and also you know there's a bunch of these companies that are like you know corrupt and lobbying people and it's nice to have a you know one one, one with the angels best of all if you go down to uh budgetbakers.com slash off screen you can uh, get a lifetime subscription to the what to wallets to the premium tier of the platform for the price of just one year so you know there's that's that pretty good us. It's yeah, pretty good. I, I think this is a really good app. You can upload, you know, your own spreadsheets, things like that, or you can use it on the fly, keep tabs from that. If you've got like records from from previous, like I've got records from a dozen of these apps, I just imported them. Mm. You know, piece of cake, done, easy. It was great. I had a board. I'm keep, I'm genuinely gonna keep using this app, which you know, we, don't, we don't get many many sponsored products that I get to like. Oh, I'm gonna enjoy this for the rest of my life, <laughs> you know. But this one, absolutely. So go to budgetbakers.com and you can find the relevant app for your platform. You can even use the web app just on budgetbakers.com if you want to, or go to budgetbakers.com/slash/offscreen. Get a lifetime subscription for the cost of a year. Thanks to us, I feel good about that. Yeah, you should. Welcome back to Off Screen. So, keeping it on the couch then, getting cinematic with the old CRT. Does anyone have a CRT television? I don't think anyone has. Do you have a CRT television? No, I don't know. God, they were so huge. I had this recently, I was watching Training Day, and I think in one scene in Training Day, you see like the massive like living room telly, one of those enormous like proper home cinemas and the lights. But they're about like, you know, seven miles deep. One of those. That, uh, yes, I, I remember that those. If you have a CRT, I'd imagine that was a CRT. But anyway, yeah. so movies on freeview for the next seven days. Let's start then. Tomorrow night, Saturday, 14th of August. This is a movie. I was thinking about this recently and it popped up. And I was like, oh, I want to talk about this one because it never gets talked about. Remember in the 90s how in love with Sandra Bullock and Keanu we were as a pairing? Like We, we loved yeah. them as a pair. We wanted them back. Yeah. And we were all bummed out when Speed 2 Cruise Control robbed us of that. Thank you very, very much indeed. script approval from Keanu Reeves. Anyway, that's literally what happened. Keanu Reeves was mm-hmm. just like, I'm, I'm not doing anything. That sounds terrible. That just sounds awful. Get Cruise someone control. else in there. Yeah, and Jason their response... Patrick. Yeah, their response was Jason Patrick, because that would have been my logical assumption as well. Anyway, Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves would then re-team in 2006 for The Lake House, a very, very different kind of movie to speed. This is best described as a sort of a Nicholas Sparks adjacent romantic weepy that stars Sandra Bullock as, I think she's a doctor who moves into a lake house, this wonderfully designed, mostly glass and old style like Chicago uh, metal framed lake house that has a lovely mailbox outside. And she discovers that using this mailbox, she can basically send a message through time to the previous occupant of the house, Keanu Reeves. They become sort of pen pals, and wouldn't you know it, because they're Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves, they fall as in love with one another as we did with them in the mid-90s. Okay, your turn. Favorite things? Where to start? Okay. When I smell the flowers before I see them, 
when it starts to rain just as the picnic is ending and I love the smell of Jack's paws. You didn't forget to mention your husband, did you? Oh, well, of course I love my husband, who is also a doctor, plastic surgeon, for small farm animals. Good. I'm married, too. I've got eight children, and none of them look like me. I'm worried, Kate. I would be, too. <laughs> I'm single. Me, too. Oh my god, I think I've just thrown up in my mouth. Um, <laughs> um, so this has exacerbated my love for both Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock because, I don't know if you know, but on a talk show here in the UK, I think it was Graham Norton, they had Sandra mm. Bullock on in like 2019 and she she confessed that she had a major crush on Keanu Reeves when they filmed Speed. He never knew and that could have like led to them actually being together and it's kind of like, oh my God. So this is like the halfway point for all of that. Um, yeah, I thought, I mean, you know what, not... when... What? Go on, I was going to say, they're not, they're not Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan or anything like that. It's not like no, Kathleen Turner believable. and Michael Douglas. <laughs> but, well, there is that. But, you know, but there is something of a charm in, 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 in the pair of them and they seem to have like that sort of, <clears throat> that, that, typical creakiness that Keanu Reeves has in his delivery. It kind of works here with the material. I don't want to talk about it too long because we've got like six of the movies together. Yeah. But like this isn't going to reinvent the wheel and it's not the notebook or nothing but it's quite a lovely little rom dram. And you know it's Keanu and Sandy B being yeah. lovely. And it's you know what? nicely oh, oh. shot and the house is great. The house is okay. great. Well, all I'm going to say is, is when we did these listings and I did an initial sort of draft of it and then you changed a couple because of the clips and things like that and you put the lake house in, I didn't even know what this was. I eye-rolled and went, oh, he's putting another horror movie. <laughs> well, this is, this is, this is, alas, this is, this is family-friendly enough that it can be on at 7pm on Saturday. Well, there we so go. On five-star, 7pm Saturday. Uh, ITV2 on Sunday then, 7.05. You, you're seeing out the weekend with Elle Woods, are you, Miss Perfect? I am, and I love the Elle Woods. Look, even though this is the sequel, this is Legally Blonde 2, uh, which is on ITV2 at 7.05pm on your Sunday, you know, she is brilliant in this, and I'm excited for the, the new one that's going to come out, hopefully at some point soon. I was going to say, is the, the sequel then, this is Elle Woods, is the bimbo who's become the lawyer who's now going to Washington for the sequel? Is that the... Yes, uh, for the Senate, yeah. I think it is, yeah. And um, I haven't seen this in years, but I do remember kind of going, initially going, oh God, the sequel's going to be terrible, and it wasn't. So um, I would definitely recommend giving this is one it, a whirl. Is what? it a better sequel than Miss Congeniality 2? Uh, I think Ooh. anything is better <laughs> <laughs> that is the right answer <laughs> yeah okay um so we'll move swiftly on from that one because um i think lots of people will have already seen legally blonde too and might mm. just want to revisit that it's a nice thing to do on a sunday monday uh paramount channel 11 15 p.m i had this as like my top pick on my vhs collection really? I had, like, 2003 i think this came out if my memory serves me correct or maybe even earlier, earlier. Earlier, this I think no, I think this is actually. Two, I think it might actually be two thousand. Gone in sixty. Okay. No, Gone in sixty seconds is two thousand, and then the same guy, Dominic, Dominic Sander, directs this a year later. And this is 
swordfish because we haven't mentioned that yet and it's on paramount <laughs> yeah it's sort of quite vital there uh, before we get carried away swordfish is on paramount 11 15 p.m so i think john travolta halle berry's in this quite an all-star cast in this one this hugh was hugh jackman's first first big non-wolverine role so he'd broken out a year earlier with wolverine in, in the first x-men movie and then yeah a year later gets this chance because he's the computer hacker drafted in to basically aid john travolta the world's greatest terrorist or whatever he's meant to be and Vinnie Jones, I think, is in there as well uh, yeah. in this great cyber heist. Uh, it's got a wonderfully shot CG uh, opening in which they do a full, I think one of the earliest fully realized computer-generated three-dimensional uh, sequences in which there's this huge explosion. Uh, worth seeing just for that, I would say. Um, there's also you know a sequence... This is, this is co- yeah, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, there is a sequence with Hugh Jackman doing his first hack, we shall say, that is just worth the movie on it so forget the intro no no stick around for travolta with a gun to his head and something else going on doing a, not travolta a huge Jackman with a gun to his head and, and something else going on doing a hack it's just yeah. incredible this was like that slick sexy it was actually out in 2001 not 2000 2001, uh, yeah. a movie and i think i was just kind of I was kind of like, yeah, I was able to, I watched it once at Blockbuster and then it ended up in like a bargain bin and I was like, I'll have that, thanks very much. Because oh, totally, totally, everyone owns this because everyone got it free with their first uh, DVD player because it was one of those yeah. films. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, anyway, Swordfish is, is worth a watch. It's, it's a giggle, it's a giggle. Let's talk then uh, Tuesday, film for 11.20. This is a taut thriller to see you through to studio slumber. It's searching with John Cho. We talked about this very briefly last mm. week when we were talking about profile. And I was, uh, you know, I, I tend to hold searching up as the pinnacle of the screen life format. Uh, just the best anyone has ever done with the format, I think. Profile comes very close, though. Um, this is John Cho searching for his daughter using only her social media platforms and her laptop screen. Uh, good, solid support and role in there for uh, Deborah Messing as well, of mm. all people, which I never thought I would say out loud. But yeah. uh, there we go. And let's talk then on Wednesday. Let, let's talk about a family classic. Let's talk about a movie that I, I think should just be issued to all families in like delivery rooms when they have you know a newborn child. It's like your child has been born. Here is your copy of Kindergarten Cop. Please show this child. But if you don't, if you can't, if you, can, if you can't get up to get to the DVD plane, you only have access to the remote control. You can turn over to Film Four on Wednesday at six forty-five. You can watch Kindergarten Cop there. Kindergarten Cop Max. How much do we love yeah. Kindergarten Cop? I mean, anyone's kid that doesn't watch this will probably won't really fit in with society, but um, <laughs> I love this film. <laughs> and it's kind of up there, like, you know, like the, the Arnie, the comedic Arnie of Kindergarten Cop, like twins, those kind of movies. This is kind of when this sort of fits that kind of time frame. And it's just, you know, someone that can take the mick out of themselves in this way, I think is brilliant. Um, and I think it were he, he does, um, what was the terrible one? Was it with Hugh Grot? Was it, who was, when he was pregnant? It's not, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, Junior, that- Junior with Danny DeVito. Junior. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now, you're thinking of Hugh Grant because Emma Thompson was in that. Ah, uh, okay, that's okay. Why, but yeah. That's why you're thinking like, of Hugh Grant. Do you know what I mean? He did this like plethora of films, which is just like, is Arnie taking the mick out of himself? What's going on here? I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, we don't have the time for me to get properly too into it, but you know, me and my scholarly ways on, on the Austrian oak, I will tell you. So this movie comes <laughs> on a really interesting point because, you know, you had the 80s slew of actioners and you had Arnie being quite, you know, a, a, a non kid friendly entity. And then, of course, 1991 rolls around Terminator 2, the whole gimmick of Terminator 2. And we 
forget this now, is there is that sequence in the movie in which the kid sees Schwarzenegger for the first time and he turns around, the cop's on the other side, and it was meant, you know, it's meant to play like the cop is meant to appear as the good guy. Arnie is the villain, and it is a twist that he's mm. the good guy. We forget, because that twist doesn't play the same way now, because we historically know Arnie is the good Terminator. Um, it was a shock at the time. At the same time, you have Arnie becoming more institutionalized and kid-friendly, because he t- starts becoming a big part of the presidential fitness plan and things like that. He starts appealing to kids, and to capitalize on the image, they sort of effectively Space Jam him about half a decade before Space Jam by saying, you know what, let's just take Arnie, give him some kids to play with in a family-friendly sort of action-ish comedy and see what happens. And the answer was this. You tell me, who is your daddy and what does he do? Get it? Okay, we start right here, you. My dad repairs red cars driven by women who are pinheads. My dad doesn't do anything since the crash. My dad doesn't live with us anymore. He lives in New York and drives a taxi. My mom hopes he's gonna die real soon. My dad's divorced. My mom's divorced. Our mom says that our dad is a real sex machine. Good. Oh my goodness! Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Leave, I, I, I think that's it. That's it. Hit its pinnacle. So you guys just watch the movie. It's brilliant. Let's move on very. Let's move on very swiftly. Like to Thursday. Uh, this is on great movies at six forty p.m. It's one of my favourite movies that doesn't do a lot. Um, it's What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, it stars Johnny Depp and the Oscar-nominated. Leonardo DiCaprio for his role in this, where he's like Gilbert, Gilbert, I'm gonna drown in Arnie. Um, he's, I, he's Arnie Grape, isn't he? Yeah, he's Arnie Grape. And basically, this is the story of Gilbert, who has to look after his his disabled brother and his obese mother in a small town. And it's kind of trying to... He's trying to navigate what the hell to do with his life. Um, and I think it's... Is it Ju- Juliet Lewis or is it Mary... No, no, it is. is, In fact, it's both. Both. It's Mary Mary Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen is in this, and uh, uh, Juliette Lewis. Yeah. This is. Is this not like this is kind of the quintessential why we love Johnny Depp movie, isn't it? Yes, it is very much so. And I cried in this, and I've laughed in it, and I thought it was brilliant. And if you haven't seen it, please do give it a watch. We haven't got a clip for it, but we we very much would recommend it. I'm going to send you, I'm going to find which American Dad episode it is that's got the best parody you've ever seen of Gilbert Grave. I'm going to send you the link. Oh. You, you've, you've got to watch it. And it's John Krasinski as Johnny Depp. As oh, really? An animated, as an animated squirrel, as Gilbert Grape. It's phenomenal. <laughs> anyway, um, what we got to round out the week then. So Friday night, BBC One, 10.35pm. I wish we had more time to talk about this. We're going to have to skip the clip for time reasons. Destroyer is on. Nicole Kidman. I loved this movie. And this is, she's the, the, the cop haunted by an undercover assignment that went wrong, who goes rogue effectively and just starts killing her way through the organisation, basically for revenge. It's incredible. It's, it's Nicole Kidman in full monster mode. Like she's got the heavy prosthetics to make her look like ragged and haggard and well worn. Yeah. And she's pounding a scotch and wearing a skinny fit leather jacket. And she really goes for it in this. I didn't even know she had this in her hats off. She's phenomenal in it. She really sells this. And I, I'm shocked that this didn't get like serious awards because it did come out around that time, but it got weirdly overlooked. Then again, you and I know that you know this this happens a lot. There's always one or two every award season that just don't get a look in. 
And yeah. it was Nicole Kidman's turn in 2018 with Destroyer, which is on 10.35, Friday night, BBC One. Bex, did you see this? I haven't seen this, but I, now I'm, I'm really interested in watching it. So look, I'm, I think that's a good Friday night movie. I think Nicole Kidman in transformative form is going to be the thing to watch. So that's BBC One, 10.35pm. We're going to rapidly tell you to don't forget to what, to listen back to all of those recommendations again because there's loads of great ones in there. And when we come back, we're going to be bringing you what's on streaming and for you to listen and watch on digital. Welcome back to Off Screen. Now, on our final block of the week, we are taking you through a rapid ride of streaming offerings. And I know Van is chomping at the bit to talk about this first one because it's a little doll with a lot of horror. His name is Chucky, and he's got a bride this time, and he's coming to Netflix on Monday. How I, I know you, you aren't like in love with Chucky. This is your thing, isn't it? Your jam. My favourite horror franchise of all the sort yeah. of schlock 80s slasher franchises, you know, the 70s, 80s ones, and I'm a big horror guy, um, but my favourite franchise is the Child's Play series. I'm, I'm yeah. such a fiend for it, and I'm I'm following, like, all the cast of of the upcoming Chucky series on Instagram, like Jennifer Tilly and Devon Sound, and the stuff they're posting is incredible. My mind is blown, and I'm so excited. But this is the 1998 reboot of the series. So you had the original trilogy, and the trilogy had ended on kind of a down note because of the Jamie Bulger case. Yeah. Because the third movie had been kind of unfairly caught up in that. They're just I think the the story had been that I think the dad of one of the killers had had rented the movie recently, and someone in the press had gotten a hold of this and circulated. And there was a couple of movies around that time that were unfairly tarnished with that brush because of it. They were seen as promoting, you know, psychopathic tendencies in children or something, which was yes. insane. And uh, then five years later, the series got rebooted by Ronnie Yu. Ronnie Yu was just, he was the Dwayne Johnson of reviving horror franchise at this point. He went on to be the one guy who could finally revive Freddy versus Jason and make that project happen. But here, he decides to take Chucky in a very different direction, which is, what happens if we actually let creator Don Mancini inject as much comedy as he wants into this and the result is chucky stops being an outright threat and becomes this very meta character you suddenly realize that it had been 10 years since charles lee ray had been murdered history's moved on so you have chucky this psychopathic murdering killer who just does not get on with the world around him who just can't make heads or tails of the music scene who thinks teenagers are worse now than they somehow were in the 80s and he misses how stupid they used to be versus kind of how wise ass they are now it's a it's a great time and all of this gets this added element courtesy of jennifer tilly who comes to the franchise as the new character tiffany who was chucky's real life partner who then gets put into a doll herself and it then leads to just a scene between the two that when i was 15 you just could in no way have prepared me for that i just did not expect to see in a chancellor movie and i say that from a movie that couldn't really get more shocking than you know featuring the only Catherine Heigl performance I've ever enjoyed. But <laughs> there you go. Anyway, Bride of Chucky. I can't recommend it high enough. It's a phenomenal reboot. There is another great reboot. I think two movies, two or three movies later, called Curse of Chucky. Either one of those are great. That one's more horror. This is more comedy. But this is just a good time. You don't need to have seen Child's Play, especially to have enjoyed this. It's just a good time. Just enjoy it. Okay. Same day though. 
Netflix is getting a movie that's already on Disney Plus that's a favorite of mine. I showed it to my nephew recently, and I, I still think it's just a great underrated animated romp. Have you seen Mr. Peabody and Sherman that? I ha- I haven't, but do you know what I've heard? I've heard loads, right? And I've heard, heard really loads. good things from adults um, yeah. who say that this is great. Um, but I've never, I, it, it, it's passed me by, I have to say. Mm. This is a, this is coming to Netflix Monday. Is it? It, it's uh, I think it's a Fox movie that means it's now owned by Disney, so it's on Disney Plus as well. And it is the old cartoons from I think the fifties. They were like PSAs in in for like American school children. Mister Peabody and Sherman. They kind of taught history using a time machine. It's like a dog and his human son, and they travel through time and they learn things about history. And this is a full blown feature length, you know, a spin-off of that, starring Phil Dunphy from Modern Family, Ty Burrell. Uh, Ty Ty Burrell? Ty Burrell, I think, as uh, as Mr. Peabody. And it is about the adventures they get into. Here's a clip of them with some Spartans. But he's only a child. Your dad may not think you're ready to become a man, Shermanis, but we do. Yeah! Yeah, Mr. Peabody, now I'll show you what I can handle. FYI, a lot of heroes have father issues. My old man is a minotaur, half man, half bull, all judgment. Hey, Jack's here, strongest guy in the world, but his father never accepted that his real dream was to sing. I wanted to be in the Greek chorus. Uh, yeah, and don't even get me started about Oedipus. Let's just say that you do not want to be at his house over the holidays. It's awkward. Yeah, that's Patrick yeah. Robertson. Yeah. That can you, can you hear the fun. level of... You can hear the level of punnery in there, the, the humour yeah. that it goes for. It's very... It's really knowing dad humour. And okay. there's no one, the cast they've got, there's no one more perfect for it than who they've got. Tyber, Tyberl, I learned how to pronounce his name at some point, <laughs> as, as Peabody is great. Uh, Ariel Winter, funnily enough, who plays his on-screen daughter in Modern Family, who plays Alex in Modern Family, is in the movie as well as one of the central characters. She's the little girl yeah. who joins him for the, the adventure. And of course, Patrick Warburton from, from Family Guy and Ted, you can hear as the... Uh, there as yeah. Just a good time. I would describe it as like an animated movie Doctor Who for kids. It even gets resolved Ooh. kind of the same way. It's really fun. I, I saw this with my... I don't think you've ever met my friend Chris Wilson. He came with me to a screening of this. It was just like a public screening. It was a preview screening, something like a Sunday morning. Yeah. And he stayed at mine. We, we went along to this screening, and he didn't know what he was seeing. He just came along and saw all this stuff with me. And, you know, sometimes we saw great stuff, sometimes we saw rubbish. He loved this. He thought this was hilarious. And to be fair, that guy knows. That guy knows his meta humor, and he yeah. he just thought this was great. I can't fault it. If you've got kids, absolutely check this out. I, I put it on for Henry. He's what two and a half, and he had a blast with it. He was giggling away. He thought this was great. Brilliant. Yeah, well, that, that's some strong. That's some strong Netflix offerings this week uh, coming out on streaming. Mm. What we also have are two very strong um, retro offerings on Disney Plus. Um, starting with a double bill of one of my favourite Danny Boyle films and a, a yeah. not so favourite sequel, uh, but still okay. Really? <laughs> you don't like the sequel? No, I don't. I really, really love uh, the original. So we're talking about this is coming out on the, the Friday week, uh, which is twenty-eight days later. And 28 Weeks Later, 28 Days Later stars Killian Murphy as kind of like the breakthrough role for Killian Murphy in this It was. Well. It was the first biggie, wasn't it? Like, you know, he'd yeah. been in things, but this is the first where like, you remembered who he was. Exactly. And then he sort of started a collaboration with Danny Boy. You know, he was in things mm. like Sunshine and stuff like that. So anyway, um, but this is one of the best kind of zombie, gritty zombie movies I think I've ever seen. It's incredible, mm. this movie. 
Well, this is arguably, I think, the forerunner to our current era of the zombie fad. Because mm. obviously we were in the zombie fad that hasn't really ended now since Dawn of the Dead and Shaun of yeah. the Dead with the door yeah. bill. But they were both preempted by this, I think, about three years earlier. I think uh, 28 days later was like 2001, 2002, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, I think it's along those lines. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, but the, the everything, like even the branding and and how this was portrayed on the revolutionary now. It was revolutionary yeah. time. Sorry, when you look back on it now, we forget. But it was revolutionary. Yeah, it really was. And this again is another sort of pioneering move from Danny Boyle. But basically, for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's about a guy who wakes up the morning essentially after the apocalypse of zombies. Well, I, I think you'll find. I think you'll find it's twenty-eight mornings. After. Twenty-eight mornings after. <laughs> sorry. Oh yeah, twenty-eight mornings after. That would make more sense with the title of the movie. But why did I think it was the morning after? Oh, it must be another movie that they do that. Anyway, um, and he's kind of again navigating his way through. And Naomi Harris is in this as well, um, uh, which I believe she's. Yeah, she she's is. one uh, of the Brendan, characters. Brendan Gleeson uh, as well, I think. Uh, yeah. Never gets the kudos. I think Brendan Gleeson's phenomenal in this oh, movie. Yeah, I, did, the... uh, I did Secret Cinema for 28 Days Later. I oh. think it was a blast. Yeah, I can imagine, actually. There's a, there's, a, there's a scene in the movie where there's just a drop of blood. So obviously, if you get bitten mm. or if you know there's any blood that enters your system, you get turned into a zombie. And I think it is with Brendan Gleeson where it is the moment where a bit of a bit of blood just drops from the ceiling and you follow that yeah. drop as it just goes into his eye and you're yeah. like, oh my God. So the tension that is built in this is brilliant. I think, you know, 28 weeks later is okay. Um, it just isn't as iconic as the first film, which... It's not, been. it's a lot more throwaway because it has the feel of a studio sequel rather than whereas the first yeah. movie feels like a grunge indie film. First movie, I believe, is one of the first British films to employ uh, digital for filming oh yeah uh, the rain sequences in that is yeah. is yeah, that oh i remember that i remember the, it the being a big deal amazing. it was a huge deal at the time that they were shooting it on digital and yeah. there were certain films that have these weird distinctions i remember napoleon dynamite being banded around the press like it's so revolutionary they edited this entirely on a mac and you're like <laughs> oh, oh, okay Okay. And, and, it and it turned out to be this program no one had heard of called Final, Final Cut. Pro. And you're like, oh, wow, this is going to change the industry. And like, yeah, it, it kind of did. And we all just yeah. didn't notice. It just overtook yeah. the industry. Uh, let's talk then uh, really quickly. Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion coming out same day, also on Disney yes. Plus, Friday 20th. Are you a fan? You must be a fan of Romeo and Michelle. This is yeah, right, yeah. Right, surely. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah, fine. It is um, Mira Savino and uh, Lisa Kudrow, uh, two high school, like <laughs> two high school kind of like dim-witted, inseparable friends is how you'd kind of describe them. And they basically go on their road for their ten-year high school reunion, and they have this like elaborate lie about their lives and how great they are in order to impress their old school friends. It's didn't, really didn't funny. One of them invent posters. Yes, one of posters. It's kind of like, you know, like Legally Blonde, but in a different way. Mm. It's, it, there's, there's that kind of feel to it. And yeah, you I, know, if you I haven't seen like it You'd put this on like a playlist on Netflix alongside something like, you know, Clueless, yeah. Legally Blonde, things like that. You absolutely would, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's well worth the watch. Funny. Yeah, it's it's super funny. And, you know, Lisa Kudrow stepping away from Phoebe Buffay and doing something mm. different. 
it works really well. So definitely catch that. It's a nice way to kind of like round up next week as well for you. But great selections there on the um, the old streaming front. I think kind of nostalgic sort of throwback bring backs to that we can now watch on our platforms. Um, and also Freeview, we've got a lot of uh, things that we can watch on the telly box as well. But the big, I think the big thing that both you and I love this week has to be WeWork. I think oh, that, yeah. that's got to be the big film from us, which you wouldn't expect to watch, but I think you'll get completely hooked uh, the moment you sit down to uh, realise this bonkers story. I just, so if- I just can't get over that, that, that whole thing. It's like, dude, you, you, you're renting desks. Yeah. <laughs> but how like, amazing is that? You know, that, that moment, that moment in there, that's like the moment in the Firefest documentary where the guy says, so I went over there totally prepared to, you're like, yeah, th- yeah. that's this moment. That's yeah. this movie's version of that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I'm with you. But listen, next week we've got some. We've well, we, I, I, what have we got next week? Do we know? Yeah. Snake Eyes is Snake Eyes. Henry Golding. Yeah. yeah, Henry Golding's finally like getting a lead role in a franchise movie. It's just a shame it had to be a Paramount one and GI Joe. I mean, like that's not gonna work out. Like surely. <laughs> Like, God, no. I mean, I feel bad for him, and I also feel bad for Reggae Jean Page, who's got the saint. It's like, guys, you're in Paramount franchises. None of these are going to work out, like we all know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. It might be proved wrong. It might be absolutely mind-blowing, but it might just not make any money. Yeah, exactly. So stay tuned for that um, with us uh, each and every Friday. As you know, we've always got your seven-day guide. But for now, I've been Vex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. (laughs) 